Hi campers, how's everyone feeling this week? I personally am doing good because my birthday shenanigans have continued and now we found ourselves in Las Vegas. And you know, I couldn't have come to visit Vegas without bringing some of our crew as our live audience. So this week we have Lori. Hello, hello, hello. And then of course we have the boys here as well and we already know it wouldn't be a Campfire Adventures episode without all of you out there in podcast land listening. So shout out to all of you. But for this week's story, I wanted to revisit a conversation that I had with my little sis, Ray, which, you know, she lives here in Vegas. And basically, we had recorded our episode about Area 51 while I was here in Nevada on my road trip. And Rayanne had said something after we had finished, basically saying, well, aliens are cool and all, but why wouldn't you have told a story about the various, like, haunted casinos on the Strip? And I was like, oh, that's a good point. You know, like, I don't know that I didn't think of it or, you know, what had happened with it. But I just couldn't think of anything more perfect to do than that for this episode. So for this week's episode, I'm going to tell you all about the man who helped create the casino known as the Flamingo. But also about how he still haunts it to this very day. So with all that said, it's time for us to get our drinks. Quickly, let's cheers because it's a birthday shenanigan. Cheers. We're chilling around the portable campfire, and it's time for us to get into this week's episode. For this week's episode, I started to look up haunted casinos, places that locals felt were connected to the paranormal, and I learned of some parks that I might want to visit, and even of some ghost towns out and away from the Strip. But the story that stood out to me the most was this one connected to the Flamingo Casino. And like I said, it's a good one. But before we get into the opening day of this casino, we need to understand the life of the man who was responsible for its construction. And that is Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Who is he? Please tell us, because I haven't done anything. One of Las Vegas' finest gangsters. <laughs> exactly. She's 100% correct, because the gangsters are the ones who made Vegas what it is. Yeah, I, they sure did. And it's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Actually, I went on a neon tour, a neon sign tour of the old signs in Vegas, and they talk about how all the gangsters like had their own like casinos Casino, yeah. and then they ended up coming all together. I think at the Moulin Rouge and they decided that they were like, okay, we could do something even bigger here. Let's make it what it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Bugsy's life and how he came to be who he was. And basically it all starts with him being born in Brooklyn, New York on February 28th of 1906. So his parents were Jewish immigrants and ultimately they settled in a town called Williamsburg, New York. Now I wanted to do some digging on the living conditions of this area and once again, it was dubbed one of the best places in New York City to live. And I am just so tired of reading that on every Google search of every single city and every town that I've ever, you know, looked up. But I'd like to say that maybe this is the case now, because obviously I've never heard of this place, nor 
do I know anybody who's lived here? So it definitely could have changed over time. But in the 1900s, Williamsburg became one of the most populated areas in New York. A lot of immigrants came to the area to escape World War, and things just seemed a lot more tense because work would come to the area, so a lot of people would move to the area, and then when it would leave, it would put unemployment and then crime on the rise. So ultimately, gang violence was a huge player in living in and around Williamsburg. I actually have this map that I found while doing all this research about all the gangs that they found in Brooklyn in 1974. And it's just crazy how many of them resided in one borough. Like I couldn't imagine like being at home and then you're like, well, we can't go on the streets at this point. You know, so-and-so's on this street, so-and-so's on that street. And you know, every town and every city has their own sets of uh, violence. I'll just say it at that. But this one was a lot, like there was more than 30. So it's crazy. But all this is to say that a life of crime and violence would eventually catch up to young Bugsy. Now it's alleged that as a teenager he'd extort money from people and it seemed like he had picked up on that life of crime pretty easily. Now one of the more significant moments in his young life was when he befriended another young man named Meyer Lenksky. And in 1918, at the age of 12, the two would go around stealing from people. They allegedly held up food vendors and eventually started a gang of their own known as the Bugs Meyer Gang. Now this gang would go around holding up stores, stealing cars. They'd steal cars and then sell them out and it just turned into this whole business that they were running. Like people would be so scared if they had seen either Meyer or Bugsy walking on the street while they were there. But the two wouldn't just be happy with this, and it's believed that eventually they started a subgroup of their gang known as Murder Inc. And, okay, cool, I was like, I'm not sure if you're my people or not, but when I first heard that, I was like, you mean that record label that signed Ashanti and Ja Rule, Murder Inc.? Yes, that's the one. What's my motherfucking name? R-U-L-E. Exactly. Ja Rule, and it was just, when I read it, initially I started doing, you know, their sign, and I was like, okay, you know, they're cool. But I didn't realize that there was so much more to it. Like, that's where they based it off of, if that is the case of what they did. But in this subgroup of Murder Inc., they would do, like, contract hired hits kind of thing, and they'd go out and they'd murder whomever, which to me would obviously make things even scarier. Now this is all while they were still young, and eventually they'd be introduced to a man known as Charles Lucky Luciano. So, Lucky Luciano, mm -hmm. Luciano I believe it is, he had um, a great grandson who I was in uh, middle school with. No way! Yes, and you know how, you know how we found out because on the first day of class when they're taking attendance, the teacher said my name, first name and last name, and he comes up to me and he says, are you Italian? And I said, yeah, how'd you know? And he goes, oh, I know by your last name. And I think he, he had a different last name, but he said, I'm from back east and my great grandfather's Lucky Luciano. That's insane. Did you uh -huh. get an autograph? Nope. Do you know what happened to him? No. That's crazy. I think he moved back east after that year because I never saw him again. That's pretty crazy. Well, it's crazy, too, like, how many generations, like, keep going, and, like, you can find them, like, wherever. Like, yeah. that's cool. Here in um, Oceanside, Well, so Lori's going to take over the rest of the episode because she's obviously more connected to the whole situation than I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we're just gonna uh, call him Lucky so that we don't mess up his last name anymore. But this guy like had an organized gang syndicate like all over, and he was just running things. And when the Bugs Meyer gang eventually joined in with him, like they were hired out to go kill some of the biggest people known to the communities within New York. Now, it gets a little touch and go with exactly who was murdered by whom and whatever, but what I will say is that Bugsy was relied on heavily to take care of a lot of the people because he was so violent. He was so unfazed by everything that happened and he was willing to do anything and everything he could just to keep doing his job with being a boss. And then actually it's alleged that he actually killed a gangster named the boss, Joe Masseria. But a lot of people go back and forth on who he actually did kill and who he didn't kill and what his time frame was. But it was believed that right after this, because he was being so noticed with a lot of his high profile killings, that he decided that he needed to get out of the Dodge. And so eventually, he still being a part of Lucky's, you know, syndicate, he eventually moved over to the West Coast. And while he was out here, he actually helped bring in like a lot more gambling out here. He created offshore accounts so people can hide and launder their money. And then he even started building up prostitution in the area. Like he came over here and he did some crazy stuff and he did it really quickly. And he moved over here with his wife and his kids and they ended up settling in Los Angeles. Now he'd start building up his connections within living in Los Angeles and he would start rubbing elbows with some of the rich and famous. Like, I think that there is a couple famous Italian actors and things like that, that they would portray the gangsters in the movies and then he became friends with them and they'd invite him to all these parties and eventually he'd end up residing in Beverly Hills. But he wanted more than just to be rubbing elbows with these people. He wanted more than that. And eventually he'd set his eyes on moving over to Las Vegas because there was a potential for big business out there. And especially with gambling and the way that laws were and things like that, it just seemed like a place that he wanted to go. So besides being with his wife, he was also dating an actress named Virginia Hall. Why are you laughing? <laughs> It's like imagine being having a wife and still dating on the side. Just, well, just, you made it sound so normal, like well, like I was, it was a side job or something. I'm sorry. Um, her name's Virginia Hill. I'm so sorry. Well, I wasn't trying to discount, you know, his wife and kids. I was just saying because I've been living with his story and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, well, of course he'd have somebody else. And I don't know exactly how long it was. There are different sources that say that he and his wife actually ended their you know engagement and then they moved back in the 40s and then there are some that said that they ended their engagement in the 30s and then he ended up getting with Virginia Hill who was a famous actress at the time and that's how he also got more people to be interested in what he was trying to do over in Las Vegas so the two of them moved over to Las Vegas I don't know what happened to his family but so the two Virginia and Bugsy ended up moving over to Las Vegas and around this time it was like 1945 or so and I think that there were plans already in place for building this casino that we now know today as a Flamingo. But it was going to be different than anything that they had currently because there were casinos there. There was a lot of other things that people had opportunities to go to. Like they had hotels, they had gambling, they had this and that. But there was a contractor who was working on creating a European styled casino. So it would have like a spa, it would have, you know, the hotel connected to the casino. It would have so many more amenities and it'd be an all in one place. So no one had to ever worry about going anywhere else. So Bugsy wanted in on that. And he decided that he would talk to this guy and he was like, well, if you need a partner, let me know. 
And he used his connections to his whole, you know, lucky connections and whatnot to help fund this whole situation. And initially it was just being a partner, but eventually he started to push out the man who was trying to build the Flamingo altogether and he would just be running the whole thing. So he starts to work on this project and it would eventually cost him around $6 million to actually finish creating the Flamingo Casino. And it wasn't just him, like I said, it was all of the Eastern side gangsters and the mob and everybody in on this. And they were gonna open up this whole casino at the end of 1946. So it took about a year to complete. And everything seemed like it was going the way that he wanted it to go, except people were getting mad within the gang community because they were like, we're not getting paid out. You know, we've been waiting for over a year. We put in over $6 million to build this place and we're just getting excuses left and right. So at the end of 1946, the Flamingo was open. Everything was done except for the hotel, which to me, now having the experience that I've had here, because <laughs> I have a story for all of you, having the experience I've had here, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, if people are driving all the way out to the middle of a desert and you're having all these other casinos, but you're supposed to have this one-stop shop that you can enjoy as the Flamingo, then I'd be kind of pissed. But he was like, well, we need to earn this money back. The gangsters are waiting. I need to pay up on my end of the bargain. And it's just a lot. So they do an opening. And actually, they had a lot of famous people come there. You know who went there? Who? Oh, why, uh, Hager! From Mommy Dudes. Joan Crawford. Oh. She went there, and I was like, I wonder if she brought her own wire hangers. That's <laughs> like, funny. I know that that's mean, but, like, they had, like, A-list celebrities go to this casino for the opening. And it was great and all because they stayed, but then... They couldn't actually stay because there was no hotel or accommodation. So they all just kind of left. So as packed as it was for the beginning, nobody stayed. So they weren't able to really recuperate all their money. But Bugsy was still believing that everything that he had was going to be not for nothing. And so he told his associates, like, don't worry about it. You know, like, we're going to get the money. Like, if you just follow the process, it'll be good. But they already waited long enough and they weren't going to wait anymore. So Bugsy actually ended up going back home to Los Angeles to go to Virginia's house. And he was just chilling. And he was like, everything's gonna be okay. Well, at the same time that that was happening, his crew over on the East Coast weren't gonna put up with it anymore. They weren't gonna wait to hopefully get paid their $6 million back. So you know what they did? They actually had Meyer Langsy allegedly put this head out on his friend Bugsy. So somebody went over to his house, actually, well, Virginia Hill's house in Los Angeles, and they shot it all up. Allegedly, while Bugsy was just sitting there chilling by the window, having a cup of coffee, just probably thinking like of all the plans that he had to make the Flamingo so much better so that way they can make their money back. Oh, you know, allegedly, this is me in my mind. And he's sitting there planning it. He's like, this is all gonna work. Now, Virginia wasn't there. She was away on her business because she was an actress. So she had to keep doing her thing. But it's believed that simultaneously at the same time while he was being murdered, three of Langsy's men went over to the Flamingo, walked in and was like, this is our casino now. Wow, really? Yup. So then they asked Meyer and they were like, hey, what happened? Was this you? Did you do this? And I mean, he's a gangster, so I wouldn't imagine. He'd just be like, yep, a Rooney. He basically was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that casino, the Flamingo, is actually ours. So... 
They took over the casino and things just seemed crazy because you know what? A year later, they were more profitable than they ever would have been. Wow. Yeah, so I was like, they didn't even have to kill him. So his murder is actually one of the longest unsolved murders that have been out there because they weren't able to place the blame on anybody. Obviously, everybody had their suspicions, but they weren't able to say like, oh, it was Meyer or oh, it was so-and-so. All they know is that his affiliation with the gangs definitely was a good part of him raising his life to where he was, where he was, you know, rubbing his elbows with the elites, you know, building casinos and doing all this stuff. But eventually it was something that also brought him down. So the casino ended up being super profitable, which to me, I'm like, gosh, if people would just know what we had here, you know, right now, it'd be crazy, but they didn't. And so he passed away, but that doesn't mean that he was ready to leave Las Vegas alone because people believe that there's this botanical garden-ish kind of thing that you can go to in the Flamingo. Have you ever been there before? No. So if you go to the Flamingo, and I'm pretty sure it's free, so you can all go check it out, because I've checked it out before, but you basically like walk and they have like a exotic bird exhibit. That's cool. And you can like walk through and like they'll have like flamingos and you can see things, but people allege that while you walk there, you see the spirit of Bugsy. And I walked around and I didn't see anything, but I want to definitely go back again and just see what happens? But people also say that in the presidential room, like their best suite, they actually still have some of the stuff that was initially in there. And so it's believed that you can see his spirit walking around there. So if we ever get rich enough, we can eventually stay there and see if we can see him. But people said that he may have lived in Los Angeles and he may have grown up in the East Coast in New York, but his heart and his home will always be Vegas because He's like the main man that founded that casino at the time. Isn't that crazy? That is. Did you have anything else you want to say? Because you actually knew who we were going to talk about. Well, yeah. So me being a little bit older, I think a lot of people from my generation knew a lot of these. Gangsters. Gangster, you know. The only gangster I knew was Coolio. Understandable. Because he was living in a gangster paradise. paradise. I remember hearing that. <laughs> Just kidding. But I also did want to thank you for doing this story. I love Las Vegas. Me too. And I always like those old casinos. So it's it's a lot of fun to go into the history of these old casinos and Vegas. It's it it has such a long sordid history for being this little town. You know, well just considering the strip and it's just so interesting there's so much history and it's like we said interesting but so many people came together to build what it is yeah and you can go to any part of vegas and there's a different history it's not like it's Good all just point. the same yeah yeah and like especially for someone like me who's older old vegas where fremont is now wasn't like the way that it is now mm -hmm. and i still get like weirded out seeing the the top of you know, Fremont Street all covered up because when I was a kid, all, you know, all that was open. And mm -hmm. I, I think there used to be like, like staircases that kind of connected that, you know how it is further down the strip yeah. where they had those, um, you know, they have the things going up and down. That's how it was over there. If I can remember correctly. I don't remember exactly everything with Fremont. I know that the lights didn't used to be there. I still remember the cowboy guy. Me too, yeah. And wasn't there a woman too? Like there's a female like, cowboy or oh, something like I don't, that? I don't know. I That's love walking around Vegas, you know, and then some of my favorite things to do are the footlong hot dogs to get those. I think you can get those in Harris. 
you know, just walking around and getting a drink and just hanging out. And there's so much history. So that Neon Museum is something that I went to with Rianne before. But they talk a lot about the different history, about how, you know, casino becomes a casino. And, like, they build these neon lights just because it's classic and authentic to the vibe and things like that. But also, like we said, how multiple gangsters and different people in those situations and in that power built these casinos and had this gambling rise up and become what it is with drinks and everything because it was a way to make money. And it's still basically the same skeleton, just with a new environment put around it. Yeah. In the spirit of this, we'll be watching the 1995 film Casino. She's sick. Yes. Okay. We're going to watch this movie. She's been showing me the movie. And like, <laughs> you've never seen it before. It'll change your life. So we're going to watch it. But so much stuff has happened in Vegas. And what I meant with that story earlier is that I had a room that was booked at the Horseshoe, which is close to the Flamingo. So I'm wondering what's going on here. But the Formula One thing kind of changed the trajectory of my trip. But it's okay because it was all meant to be. I actually had my friends, Rena and Troy, fly out and visit me for my birthday. So that was super nice. You're going to see some videos of us singing. And some of it might be good. Some of it might be bad. Ryan and I had dinner. Lori came out and visited us. And we went to um, Area 15. We went to Nacho Daddy a few times. We had drinks, 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 and more drinks. And it was just a fun time. But it's time for us to go home because... As much as I love Vegas, I also love leaving Las Vegas. Shout out to Cheryl Crow, where you at? Because I'm leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I love Vegas, and I think that the thing that makes me love it so much is that we can come and go as much as we want, but every time you come, it's a different experience. I never thought that I wouldn't be able to stay, like, on the Strip, you know, and stuff like that, and getting an Airbnb, which actually was really nice and everything. Um, it was just an amazing trip, and it was a great way to keep my birthday you know, shenanigans going. So I'm very thankful. So thank you, Lauren. No, thank you. I had a great time. I love Vegas. Let's do it again. You got it. And don't forget to go to the secret bar that's in the Omega Mart because it's good. Shout out to the bartenders for making some cool drinks and some cool cups. Yeah. Also, don't remember our faces if you see us walking there again. <laughs> but that's the story that we have for you today. It's the story of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. And he was a prominent gangster who was the one who helped create the Flamingo. And it's legend out there that you might still see him if you do walk around their exotic bird area or if you get to stay up at the high tops of the uh, casino hotel. So shout out to Las Vegas, but that's the end of our story today. Thank you for listening. With all that said, you're gonna see all of our source material and pictures on the website at www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. And then you'll see more of those videos that I told you about how it was singing pictures of me and my friends and my family and the boys being in Vegas on our Instagram and Facebook at Campfire Adventures Podcasts. And with all that said, I'm going to say goodbye. So whether you listen to this in the morning or the evening, I hope you have a good morning or good evening. Bye. Bye.